0: the Hockey Podcast back in the saddle again for another week. Um, this week, it's uh, been a week or so since it was kind of officially announced online, but f- a first, welcome back on the air to Don Cherry. Yes, sir. He's back with his own podcast, which I'm sure whether it be six months or a year will be a, <laughs> its own show and some TV show in some form, uh, the Grapevine Podcast. The grapevine, yeah. uh, he's doing it. Um, when asked it who would be the replacement for Ron McLean, he said he's doing it with his son and his grandson, um, so kind of a family endeavor to to make things enjoyable and not only the closing out of, of a tremendous career, but unfortunately the countdown in his life as well. So well, this um, is a this is so good news for it, all of us. It'll it'll make it fun for him to be able to do it with family, and it'll it's. Fun for those who've been in his corner for, through That's everything right. to uh calling it the grapevine is a big deal to, to have him in a capacity where he's not limited in what he says, uh, he's not censored, he's not um canceled in cancel culture, right? <laughs> and he's not um limited in time either. That's he right, you can go, you see podcasts all the time. Ours is an hour or so, give or take, on either side of that. Uh, some are two hours, some are three hours. Um, depends on what people like, but the point is he can go as long, as long as he wants to talk, he yep. can go. So
1: he's uh, originally said it was going to be about 30 minutes. The first few, uh, which they are so far, um, but he, he scouts every weekend, every Friday night, he and Tim scout Bantams and midgets together in the, uh, in the GTHL. Uh, and they're so, Tim really knows what he's doing. I believe Tim works for central scouting in the Ontario league. So they know the game. uh, And it's really, it's really addition by subtraction, taking him off of Sportsnet gets him out from under that nonsense, lets him have more than seven minutes to tell everybody what's going on. And he does know, and it lets him do it unfiltered and he's not going to be foul or gross. He's a gentleman. He's an old school guy. But he needs to be able to say things the way they need to be said without the cream puff coating. So I'm glad to see him back.
0: Uh, Calgary and uh, Calgary and Toronto have been in touch, rumor wise, trade for Tyson Berry. At least that's a a rumor, anyway. Um, what came with the rumor, and I don't know if if this can be um, bought with any credibility, but Sam Bennett was was one of at least the, the trade pieces that w- was talked about going back in exchange for, for Barry, and that's just a rumor. Yep. Um, nothing, obviously, set in stone. Um, well, you know me. I would like to see somebody a little bit ornerier than Sam Bennett come back. I'd like to see somebody that—, in he's, that... he's got a little fire in him. I mean, he's yeah, not afraid I... to drop the gloves, and he's not afraid to— I
1: I just—I was talking about this with our, uh, with our goaltender friend last night. It's okay to have pretty boys in the top six. You got to have that skill. You've, everybody's got them. The successful teams all have them. A team like Washington, they've got better than that because they've got guys like Oshie and Ovechkin both in the top six that can can also bang and make life real hard for you below the below the hash marks. But in your bottom six, and I really like this guy. He's a he's a forechecking machine, and I'm just singling him out because he's a perfect example. You cannot have a bottom six with a whole bunch of Trevor Moores. You've got to have some nastiness on that bottom six to be a deterrent to the guys who will take pot shots at Marner and Matthews and Tavares. You've just got to do it. Until they address that problem, they're going to be they're they're going to be in trouble. When a big a big team like Columbus uh, or or Washington gets the Maple Leafs down in their own end underneath the hash marks they're trouble that's all there is to it
0: yeah uh we've been speaking about him a lot and in my opinion rightfully so as we discussed but um congratulations to jared bednarf um he is being inducted into the not only the saskatchewan junior hockey league hall of fame um but he's being inducted into the echl hall of fame good for him um he uh about time he got some recognition Spent time as a player assistant coach i have it here and head coach during his 15 year tenure in the achl um as a player he competed in 434 career games uh, suiting up for both the huntington blizzard and south carolina stingrays uh, tallied uh, 173 points and 1210 penalty minutes (laughs) so he was that kind of player um before retiring after the 0102 season uh he um, he was an assistant coach for the S- uh, South Carolina Stingrays beginning in 0203, 3 remained in the role until he was promoted to head coach uh, before the 0708 8 season. Uh, he spent two seasons as the Stingrays head coach, led the club to the American Conference Finals in 2008 and the 2009 Kelly Cup Championship, which is their, their championship. He posted a 6.54 winning percentage in his two years as an ECHL head coach um he is um he's the first person to win 3 Kelly Cup titles as he captured it twice as a player um and once as a coach um he is additionally he is one of only two coaches including Bruce Boudreau uh, to win an ECHL and American Hockey League t- title as Bednar took home the Collar Cup in 2016 as the head coach of the Lake Erie Monsters um Bedner will also be inducted into, like I just mentioned, the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League Hall of Fame next August. Um, Bedner has lived in Humboldt, Saskatchewan uh, on two different occasions during his youth and also played in the SJHLs been played for the SJHL's Humboldt Broncos. Um, he's been very involved with aiding victims and families of the 2018 Humboldt Bronco bus crash and helped to create a memorial golf tournament that began in, in August of 18, four months after the incident occurred. Um, this is what you call making it the
1: hard way, the long road to the NHL, probably why he finds, uh, motivating players to be one of his strong suits Mm -hmm. and that kind of perseverance. Boy, does that ever translate? Good on him.
0: The 2020 uh, SJHL Hall of Fame induction ceremony will be held in conjunction with the Humboldt Broncos 50th anniversary reunion and the third annual Humboldt Broncos Memorial Golf Tournament um he bednar is set to co-host the event with winnipeg jets broadcaster brian munns um for the third year in a row nice um the 2020 echl hall of fame ceremony will take place on january 21st in wichita kansas um bednar is quoted as saying i'm real proud of being inducted i think um i got my playing career start in the echl and my coaching career start there um I spent a lot of time with one organization in South Carolina, so it's a big part of my hockey career and my background. I learned a lot there and did a bunch of different things, and I was able to play and coach with them and coach some awesome players too. It's a part of my life that I'm real proud of. It's an honor to be named to the ECHL Hall of Fame, no question. So, That is 400 games in the coast. That's a That takes some
1: it just takes some perseverance. That's all there is to it. And that's the polite word for it. It takes perseverance to do that. That's a tough living and good on Jared Bednar.
0: Uh, speaking of, of um, Colorado, as we as of this recording, and I, I do want to at least create that separation as of this recording and know that there's going to be at least a little time gap for, for honesty there. Uh, Matt Calvert um, is on concussion protocol. Yep. Um, but um, as of this recording, Colorado has... Sent down Adam Warner, uh, which means they are getting a goaltender back. So, no, no word yet on if it's Grubauer or François, but they're at least one. getting one of them back. So, anyways, um, before anything, hit the subscribe button, rate and review, settle in for episode number 37 of War Room the Hockey Podcast. War Room the Hockey Podcast is brought to you by RyanWalter.com. Ryan Walter, a friend of the show, NHL great, Stanley Cup winner, coach, executive, and owner, now an industry leader in team building, leadership, and management mentoring. Business, hockey, and organizations of all sizes benefit from Ryan's expertise and motivational skills. RyanWalter.com.
1: Very pleased to have in studio with us today, Greg Wilson, a friend of the show Friend of our family, uh, great guy, and, and been around the game forever. Uh, just, you know, the history in hockey that you have, Greg, goes back to, I mean, you grew up, what, in Kelowna? Kelowna, yeah. Uh, played locally, but picked up by the V's, uh, then on to Seattle in the dub, and, uh, and on, to a, on to a pro career. And then um, later, as, a, as an owner of the uh, Summerland Steam, uh, minor hockey coach for a long time, and uh, hockey dad, which that job actually never ends. I'm here to tell you, if you haven't realized it already, that one will go on forever. But anyway, thanks for joining us today. It's great to have you aboard. Well, glad to be here. We want to, hear, uh, we want to hear all about the perspective, your, your thoughts on the evolution of the game, and uh, just talk about your career, because it, it covers every part of hockey, as very few do. Yeah, I was, uh, was kind of lucky that way. I got to play kind of at all
2: levels. Um, you know, growing up in Kelowna, we always had good teams. Kelowna always had the volume of players. Yeah. Which is not the case nowadays, of course. No. With the volume declining in Canada and going up in the U.S., you're seeing the evolution. The game's changing. Yeah.
1: The yeah. power of the game is changing.
2: But, you know, it's it is what it is.
1: Yeah. Uh, no arguing with, uh, with the results. I mean, you can't, you can't manufacture it. So when a kid, you know, when kids now who grow up dreaming is uh, when you played, uh, your goal was to make it to major junior or to play junior hockey in some capacity. And from there, the next step was to earn a paycheck. Now, uh, in so many cases you're off to a, uh, to an academy in, uh, in growing numbers then you're off to university and who knows after that but it's a there's a very different path through the game it's it's so different now i mean you just
2: touched on it you know going through minor hockey and then junior hockey and then hoping to earn a paycheck well when i grew up i never thought of hockey as a paycheck ever is that right it was all about fun yeah something you love to do yeah and I think that's a major difference in the game today. I think that's the big thing, and it's because they brought money into minor.
1: Right. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Money in uh, in minor hockey yeah. and how it sort of poisons the well. It cha- I mean, it, you got to make you got to make ends meet, right? Eh? But you, you but it really it changes the game.
2: Yeah, like you know, thirty years ago, you ever hear of a minor hockey coach making money? Right. Right. Okay. Ever.
0: Thank you. The exact thing we said because we did an entire episode of money in the game and, for lack of a better term, kind of the corruption of youth hockey these days with, with money coming top down. And I've I have I've had my bad ex- experiences that we've talked about ad nauseum, um, coaching in Colorado um, and what I w- what I how I was treated, but also what I witnessed when I was there, and then just in one part of season what I, what I saw with Summerland and think it's just the money just so we, we talked and about it coaches making through money and through yeah and so
1: well I, one one real quick story uh, and it only take a few seconds when uh, I go back to this story quite often I think it was 87 when Medano was the top draft pick mm-hmm. uh, Trevor Linden was number two to Vancouver uh, Medano held out didn't like his deal that, that he was offered by Minnesota and went back to Prince Albert Yep. Trevor Linden came out of Medicine Hat working class guy signed his deal they said why did you not hold out for more money maybe you could have got done what Medano did and got more money he said I grew up dreaming of playing the game I didn't grow up dreaming of signing a contract it's exactly what you're saying
2: and Trevor Linden a Canadian right Medano is an American right and that's you know it's two different systems there. Different culture. Totally different. Yeah. Totally different. Now, whether, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with the rules of the game, the way the game has changed. Yeah. Which has changed the power of hockey in the sense that the Canadian way was always heart and soul and... North and south. Power. Yeah over skill and mind over matter right yeah. and the way the rules have gone that doesn't work anymore no it just does not work anymore. And I think that's why you're seeing less kids in minor hockey a lot for them a lot of it. Um, in the states it's always been a, more of a skill game than the Canadian right. game. I'm that. not saying they have more skill than the Canadians. I'm just saying they emphasized it more,
1: right? And it's paid off for them now. Well, yeah. I look at the um, you and I talked the other night about this. You played in a big man's game. You played at what five nine, five ten, something like that. I
2: was five seven
1: and a half. <laughs> listed a little taller. Maybe you were standing on a thick rug.
2: They always listed me a five eight, but <laughs> but they always tried to stretch it out because I was always a heavy guy, right? So,
1: but you played you played against. Huge, nasty guys in a nasty men's era. I mean, you, some of the guys that you played with.
2: The, the Western Hockey League in the late 70s and early 80s was a totally different game. Yeah. It
1: was Thunderball. It was Thunderball. <laughs>
2: um, you know, there was nothing to have two brawls before they first puck drop. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just the way it was. Yeah. And the fans loved it. And it, that was, intimidation was a huge part of the game. Yeah. Whether it was right or wrong, and, you know, I don't know. That's not the way I played. And I was you know, being a small guy. Right. But, you know, you always had those players on your team. Had to. And, And, you know, some of my favorite players that I played with were those guys. Just as Gretzky would be with Semenko. Right. It's... Just the
1: way it was. Your wingman. Who did you, uh, you... When you were in Seattle, you had... Uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank on the name now. I
2: had uh, Mitch Wilson as a right winger and Alan Kerr as a left winger. Okay. Alan Kerr went on to a really good and NHL nice career, career with the Islanders. Yeah. It was where he started. And he was a quiet, shy kid, you know, in the Western Hockey League and did his job. And he was north-south and... Mitch was our protector. But, again, he was 5'8". But, you know, he was 500 penalty minutes a year.
1: <laughs>
2: you know, and he always bitched about his goal production, right? So.
1: <laughs> well, you, that was uh, that was an era where you had to have those guys. You now, did. Now, you really just don't. I mean, uh, now when you see that kind of player on a roster... You think there might be a weakness in there. I mean, you might be able to take advantage of the fourth line because they're foot slow. I don't know. It's just Maybe. a different...
2: Maybe. You have to be able to play approach. the game. Yeah. Yep. If you're going to be that guy, you still have to play the game.
1: Exactly.
2: You know, Reeves? Yeah. Tr- Toronto would love to have
1: them. Oh.
2: Right? I mean, that's what Toronto's missing, in my opinion.
1: We were just talking about
2: that. I mean, they got skill to the nines, but they don't have protection. No.
1: That's and, why they get run in the first round.
2: Yep. Yeah. When Chicago, you know, I was, I, w- I was in Penticton at the SOEC and Duncan Keith was in there and he was talking and it was after they won their cup and they were getting rid of by Bifugland and all these yeah. guys and, and he said right there, we're in trouble. So to me, there's still a place in the game for it. Sure. The rules have changed it so they, it can't be the way it once was. Which is a good thing, in my opinion, but you know these star players—they—they they need those players behind them. Yeah, it, it gives them
1: hair. Well, you—you're—you're you're, you're playing three inches taller when you got Reeves coming out on the next shift. No, nobody's going to take liberties with your top guys. That's right, and
2: you know what Reeves can play with oh, top can. guys.
1: Yeah, That's the play. thing. So right? Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson, Josh Anderson, and yeah. Columbus.
0: Well, we talked about it. We don't. It does in today's game. It doesn't need to be a whole lot of the big brute guys anymore. No, so long as it's brings the energy and, and everything like that. The
2: physicality yeah. and the yeah. mental toughness. I mean, we we
0: well, talked about it a little good. bit uh, the other night. Um, Cassie puts a from Edmonton puts a hit on McKinnon, and Calvert steps up. Matt Calvert. So I yep. mean, it's it's not about necessarily size but it's about the physicality and being able to stand up for your star player and and have that camaraderie a bit of being able to because I think that's another thing Toronto doesn't have well yeah is is somebody that okay Matthews gets hit you know and we talked about it in as many games Matthews takes an elbow Tavares takes a takes a knee Barry gets Sideswiped and not nobody doesn't. Nothing's done. So, <laughs> well, this
1: is this is the uh, and, and I I told the story uh, quite a long time ago on on the podcast, but it, back in the um, in the eighties at a Toronto uh, Toronto Vancouver playoff series, Gino Ojic was taking a, some liberties with Doug Gilmore, or no, it was early nineties, and um, Wendell Clark lined up the faceoff dot with Pavel Bure, and he said. If Ojik touches Gilmore one more time, you're dead. You're leaving on a stretcher, bud. Absolutely. Pass the word. Yeah. <laughs> I played against Wendell Clark.
2: <laughs> Scary man, especially when he had Joey Kosher with him. Oh. It was, you know, the Saskatoon Blades, they were wow. a big physical team. They had Scroodland and Daryl Stanley, and oh. it was crazy. we go into Saskatoon, it was like fear, right? But it's it's the way it was. Yeah. They played tough. They didn't play dirty, but they played tough. And if you gave cheap shots, you were going to pay the price. The game today, if you give cheap shots, they expect the referees to make you pay the price. Right, And to me, that
1: doesn't work. Wendell Clark said uh, three or four weeks ago, I saw him on an interview, and he said that when they were in Detroit uh, together, Koser and Probert, he said, our guys would go fight Probert, Probert, so they didn't have to fight Joey Kosher. You bet.
2: Well, Joey Kosher was, is Wendell Clark's cousin.
1: Yeah, they right. grew up together. Yeah, and they said my, nobody wanted to fight Joey Kosher. They'd take Proby, as opposed, so they didn't have to. Yep. which I that was, it was fascinating. But boy, could he ever hit! Oh my gosh.
2: Wendell Clark was not very tall, but he was wide. He played with an edge. He was hard to play against. And intimidation was a big part of the game. Yep. And a lot of it was verbal. Not verbal like it is today. No. Not you know, it's it drives me nuts. Trash talk. It just drives me
1: nuts. Well, it's a different kind of intimidation. Now the intimidation is not that you're gonna have a line brawl at the face off dot. Now the intimidation is if you, if you run my guy, your star is going to get in trouble. Exactly. So, uh, now we've got guys that can who, eye for an eye.
2: Right. And on, on the other side of that, I think there's more skilled players playing today because that is out of the game. Yes. Because a lot of those players didn't continue on because right. of that intimidation. So I think there is definitely more skill volume or yeah. depth, however you want to look
1: at that. Totally agree. At every level. Yes. Now, your your third and fourth line guys have considerable skill now. Yes. And that was not the case a generation ago. No. So.
2: And, it, you know, they 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 have to play three, four lines now. Oh, yeah. They can't. They can't do what they used to do. No.
1: Can't shorten the bench
0: the way you do. No.
2: Did. Some coaches are still doing it in the junior levels. And, you know, those teams don't go very far.
0: I mean, you, you can still see sh- short benches sometimes in certain moments where a guy will roll three lines instead of four or yeah. whatever. But Depends that, on the that's, game not a, that's not a consistency. Yeah. Yes. It's not something that's done game in and game out.
2: Right. And coaches, it was a couple of weeks ago when Babcock's interview after one of their losses, I think it was at the start of their little losing streak here. Yeah, He said he took the blame for the loss. Because he didn't play his third and fourth lines enough. He said their star players were done. They were too tired to make a difference late in the game. Yeah. So it's nice to see coaches step up and take blame.
1: Even though the conditioning now is also way more sophisticated than it was then. Oh, it's crazy now.
2: Yeah. These kids, it's 12 months a year. It's not this... Training camp. Oh, I better find my skates. Right? It's just, it's not that way anymore. I hope they fit. Yeah. Right, and Kids are on the ice, yeah. you know, three to five times a week all summer
1: long. Can you imagine? Well, the real, the coaching staffs used to be a one guy. Yes. Then there was an assistant. Now there's strength and conditioning and all kind I mean goalie coaches and special video teams you got coaches. video coaches now. Mm-hmm. Video coaches. Yeah. Wow. Just video Smoke. coaches. Just-
0: well just video well now just video coaches and one of which was a star of the week. Oh remember?
1: Yeah. For picking up an offside for or co- something.
0: For Colorado because he picked in the same game he picked he picked up two on video that Bednar could then challenge and come back two goals because of offside or interference I can't remember and all because the video coach is sitting there watching the screen rather than the game to catch he's got to get it right yeah. he's got to get it right well the nowadays because now the change cost rule is it's not just one not just one um, one penalty if you get your second challenge wrong right it's now it's now if you get any challenges wrong it's a penalty if you get the second challenge wrong, it's not just a penalty, it's a double minor. Yes. So now it's now there, but you're, you're starting to see that it's what I predicted it would do. And that is it's starting to limit the number of challenges oh, yeah. because coaches are now having to be sure rather than using it as a timeout, used to use it as a timeout or out. any number of things. So,
2: so those coaches have to trust their staff. Yep. Yeah. Right. And again, it goes back to money. Yeah, they're paying these people, right? Right. Now, does he get a bonus for getting those two calls right? <laughs> I wonder.
1: Right? get his percentage bonus at the end of the year. We like having fifty assists. You started in Penticton.
2: I started in your... Penticton. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that was um, late seventies,
2: seventy eight. Yeah. I played two years in Penticton. They were actually my first year in Penticton was the f- the last year of the first run of the V's. So, 78, 79 was the end of the first run of the Vs. They became the Knights. Then they became the Knights. Yeah, okay. Well, actually, it was a second run of the Vs. So, it was the first run, 50s. Won the championship. And then it was the Broncos. Okay, yeah. And then it was back to the Vs. V's. And then it was the Knights and Panthers. And now it's the Vs again. But, yeah, it was there 78 to 80, so two years.
1: And it was a blast. Your coach, uh, who did you who did you play for when you were here?
2: Mark Pezin.
1: Okay, yeah,
2: yeah. He ended up coaching the Western Hockey League, and uh, you know, he was a great coach. He came in my halfway through my first year in Penticton. If I, you know, my first year in Penticton, we were last place. So at Christmas, we were going to Revelstoke. Great story. <laughs> So we're going to Revelstoke, you know, I'm 16 years old and we got all these 20s and older guys and we weren't very good. I was a leading scorer at 16. Wow. It was crazy. And we get to Kelowna, we're on our way to Revelstoke. That's when they were junior A. Right. Our coach, we stop at the bus depot and our coach gets, or the owner, general manager, kicks our coach off the bus. He got fired on the way to Revelstoke. <laughs> well, we didn't have an assistant coach back then. So we pull into Revelstoke and there's a guy named Al Formo, he used to do all the play-by-play for the V's, he just retired a few years ago, and he was the color guy on the radio for the V's forever. Well, when when I played, he was our bus driver. So when we got to Revelstoke, we had no coach. Our owner didn't know anything about hockey. (coughs) Excuse me, so Al Formo was behind the bench, our bus driver. (laughs) And we won. So I ran into Al a few years ago, and he was asking if 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 I had a newspaper clipping, because nobody believed him that he was he actually coached a game in the PC <laughs> Hockey League, and I'm, I'm sure my mom saved it somewhere, but I couldn't find it anywhere.
1: Did All he only coach I the got. one game? One
2: game, that was uh, it, yeah. Undefeated, went out on top. That was it, he's <laughs> batting a thousand. <laughs>
1: Oh, that yeah. is... I've never heard that story. Never heard anything quite like that story. That is straight out of the movies. But wow. that's the way it was. They put him on the... Did they drop him at the bus stop, the, your other coach? At the Greyhound bus to Stipo in Kelowna.
2: <laughs> out he went. That was it. He never coached again.
1: Oh,
0: holy... <laughs> that's,
1: now, that's getting fired right there. That's that getting fired. really well, getting, getting v- fired.
0: But that's a different take, because remember... Um, Remember how we were kind of up in arms about how um, Gerard Gallant was treated by Florida when he yeah, was fired, exactly. a little bit when he was f- kind of fired, short notice, kind of right. He was getting on the bus. He was getting, yeah, and then he was forced I mean, to just kind of, what was it, get a taxi or get an yeah. Uber or something put like in that, and, cab in a way, and, away and he went. leave. And we were kind of up in arms about that. Yeah. So it's interesting. Wow. <laughs> so you
2: can't feel sorry for coaches to get fired these days. No. Because yeah. they're making the bucks, yeah. No, but the guys that did it back. then. Well, they're making the bucks where,
0: where I think we felt bad for it. Glant was. We know what kind of guy he is and yeah. what kind of coach he is. He's and to and and it was an ownership thing for the Panthers, right? And to have those guys come in and then just kind of treat him like garbage at like just tossed to the curb. Yeah. I think that was. Where I I felt bad That's anyway, we not went. because of the not because he'd get hired somewhere and he did, and yep. he'd make his money and he does, but it was just how a guy like that was treated with a lack of respect a within lack of the, dignity, right? You know, yeah, for yeah. what he'd done because up, I think the year prior, Florida, Florida he was managed to get him into the playoffs, in, one either year in maybe? the playoffs or was was a real making a real competitive push, and I mean he had. You Know along with Talon and everybody like that, and then the new ownership kind of so that's what I was up in arms about. It was working. a failed experiment, there. there's just the lack of respect there. But so, so it's just diff- interesting the, to hear the story of the
1: checks do keep coming nowadays, but they didn't then. So, that's that's a tough way to go. That's a tough yes. one to explain when you get home, like, <laughs> yeah, honey, what are you doing here?
2: <laughs> but you know, most of these, most of the coaches back then they worked full time, yeah, they had jobs. Right, it was just a totally different, totally different atmosphere. It's it's night and day, you know. And you really respected your coaches back then, because you know they'd work all day and then they'd coach you, or they, you know. Back then we practiced at six thirty in the morning. Right? Wow. You know, we practiced before school. Wow. And And we had some evening practices, but not very many. Most of them were in the morning.
1: Made the V's at 16, leading scorer at 16. Good on you. And then you lasted there. You were there two years. Two years. And on to Kelowna.
2: Actually, no, I went uh, to North Dakota.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fill us in there.
2: Well, my mom and dad said, you got to go to school. So not really a student, wasn't really a student, didn't really like school, and but mom and dad were mom and dad and yeah. you listened to mom and dad back then <laughs> not like it is now <laughs> but so i went to north dakota and it wasn't for me so i lasted a semester and i said uh this isn't for me and i my mom and dad came down and we had a big discussion
0: i know
1: you lasted oh. less than a I semester at where where semester.
0: purdue uh, yeah, or something yeah. like that we, and this that was, show is about greg it.
1: let's not go there this show is <laughs> I'm all just about greg.
0: comparisons it's interesting <laughs> But, but yet I'm the one, I'm the one, his offspring who, hey, you got to go to school. Got to get your, got to get your degree, even though I didn't want to. You got to break
1: yeah. the streak. Here. So. You got to
2: break the streak. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so a semester at Nodak.
2: Yeah. And then uh, my mom and dad came down and, uh, you know, I wanted to play hockey. And back then they didn't really play freshmen a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a guy, Troy, Troy Murray and I sitting in the stands and he ended up being captain of the Blackhawks. Right. Right? So uh, he stayed, I didn't, and I wanted to play hockey more. Than I wanted to sit in the stands or go to school. He was a very good student. So my mom and dad said, okay, it's your decision. You tried, you did what we asked, and uh, I went to Seattle. Actually, I left North Dakota, and I flew into Saskatoon because Seattle was playing in Saskatoon, So I was meeting the team.
1: So you were already property of Seattle?
2: Yes. Okay. Yes. Back then, I think when you turned 14, on your 14th birthday? Yeah, on your 14th birthday, the first Western Hockey League team that put you on their list, you were their property. Okay. It wasn't a draft. It wasn't, yeah. Right? So as an example, our minor hockey teams in Kelowna we did very well, we won lots of provincial championship, won a Bantam Western Canadian Championship. Like, we had good teams. Yeah. And there was six players from, six? Six players that all got listed by Seattle. But back then they were the Kamloops. They were in Kamloops, Seattle was in Kamloops before okay. they went to Seattle. So we were listed by Kamloops actually. So anyways, uh, I flew into Saskatoon and checked into the hotel, the Capri Hotel in downtown Saskatoon. And I got a phone call from my old junior A coach and said, come home. Come and play. Come play for the Knights. Yeah. And I said, why? Well, because there's a bunch of teams that are trying to trade for your rights in the Western Hockey League. So I... Took a cab back to the airport, hopped on a plane, flew home, played two games for the Knights that year, and Seattle wouldn't trade me, so I ended up in Seattle, but at least I didn't have to travel on the bus on the Eastern trip.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You did all that to get out of the bus trip.
2: (laughs) I can say that now, because I hadn't been in one of those before, Yeah. but
1: yeah, that. So how long were you in Seattle?
2: So basically a year and a half.
1: Did you pl- didn't you did you play in Kelowna? Yes. So,
2: so uh, after my second year in Seattle, so 1982, there was two expansion teams coming into Western Hockey League, which were Prince Albert and Kelowna. Okay. So they had an expansion draft. So Kelowna picked me up being a local kid, mm-hmm. and they picked up a couple other players that I played with in minor hockey that were also playing with me in Seattle. Okay. Right. So there was ended up three of us. Boys came back home. Came back home. Yeah. You know, and played in Kelowna for a year, and it was my best year of hockey, but the worst, the least amount of wins. But it was so fun playing at home.
1: Yeah. You stayed at home. Yeah. We stayed at at home. Yeah.
2: My mom and dad built another player on the team. Right. It was great. I loved it. Nice. Because when I went to Penticton in junior A, being from Kelowna and not playing for the Kelowna Junior Eighteen,
1: uh,
2: I was number one enemy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just what you needed.
2: Yeah. So and that's hard as a young kid, right? But
1: yeah. Well, you don't I mean, you might, you probably knew quite a lot of those guys. I knew them all. Yeah. I knew them all. Yeah.
2: But it was, you know, in Seattle it was great because we had all these local kids that came friends. You know, we ended up, you know, we ended up doing really well in Seattle. It's kind of funny. Uh, my second year in Seattle, we got a new coach. His name was Jack Sangster. He coached Regina the year before. He got fired in Regina in Seattle. You know, signed him and he was our coach. And we were basically a team of undrafted players. We didn't have one player that was drafted. Really? Yeah. We had some players that were drafted that following summer, but... You know, we ended up fourth, made the playoffs, like a 500 hockey team, grinding, very physical. They calls us Sangsters Gangsters because it was all about intimidation, right? He, our coach brought in a guy from Manitoba off the reserve, and when he came in, our season turned around. That was the beginning of it. You know, we credit him that. Wow. You know, and he's a, he was a guy that he was not real tall, but he was thick. He could fight. He could play the game. You know, he'd chip in a points here and there, and, but he was a real team player. And, you know, we all thought, oh, yeah, you know, he's not going to amount to anything. No, well, he ended up being a lawyer for Indian Affairs in Ottawa. Really? Yeah. Wow. And we had a reunion a few years ago. We all got together and and it was awesome. We all got together because Mitch, one of our teammates, got ALS. Yeah, right. But uh, you know he was an enforcer, and uh, you know protected Mario for a few years and the for half a season in the NHL when Mario got beat up there in the late '80s, and uh, got some points and ended up with ALS. But the NHLPA oh. really helped him out. And,
1: oh, that's good.
2: Yeah, you know that's he good. didn't play enough to get a pension or anything out of the nhl right. but the nhlpa helped him with stem cell treatments like he had to go to mexico and thailand for that and he could afford it right he was a grinder he played in the minors for 10 years yeah. and came out with nothing but a bunch of stories right <laughs> and that's just the way it was back then
1: so all right so speaking of stories were you in Seattle or Kelowna when you had this famous game in Winnipeg that you told me about one night here a few months ago? Kelowna. So and you played with Babs in, in Kelowna, right? Yeah. Is that that's yeah. where he you and he hooked up. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mike Babcock was my left winger. He started on defense and he ended up moving up and playing forward and we had a lot of fun. But we you know we uh back then we had a young team, it was you know, because of the expansion draft, you don't get the high end right. guys, you get the older high end guys, yes, but the young guys you didn't get. And uh, so we had you know, we had a couple of decent lines, but not the depth. And you know, you going back then, you played a double interlock, it was called, so you played in everybody's building twice, so now you, they do it once, yeah, right? Okay, so when you went on the road, it was 20 days, oh, right. and you'd play I didn't realize that you know 15 games in those 20 days and you're on the bus make the Mm -hmm. most of the road trip make the most of the road trip wow so our last game was in Winnipeg (laughs) on our first eastern swing because you did it twice and uh, we uh, pulled into Winnipeg and everybody was hurt and beat up and
1: Tail end of the road
2: trip. Tail end of the road trip, young team, you know, whether people were pulling the shoot because they were pulling the shoot or because yeah. they were hurt, who knows? We'll never know. But, you know, I think we started the game with nine players. We ended the game with seven. The, it's, I think it's still in the Western, it's not, it's still in the record book for the Western Hockey League, but the score was 18-6 to 6 for Winnipeg. I got six points and I was minus 10. <laughs> so there wasn't much coming off the ice during that game. But that's the way it was. That's just the way it was. You played because you loved the game.
1: You scored six points in the game and were minus 10. So
2: it's in the record book as... Oh, golly. I think it's number two for most goals in one game by two teams.
1: So this would have been... Eighty-two. Eighty-two. Okay. And uh, and so then Winnipeg, that franchise then... They both, moved. They moved. Kelowna moved also.
2: Kelowna moved, became the Spokane Chiefs. Right. So I think they were in Kelowna three or four years and then moved to Spokane. Right. Um, the gentleman that I played for in Penticton, the guy who owned the team, Chris Parker, Parker Motors. Yeah, Chris Parker. Right. He was the one who started the Kelowna
1: Wings. Oh, okay. Right. I didn't so know that. it was
2: the same owner, and so the coach I had in Junior A was also the coach in Kelowna. So I had the same
1: coach. Oh, nice. Right? So you which was some, really,
2: which was cool. Right? Some of your pals also,
1: there, living yeah. at home, playing for a familiar coach. That yeah,
2: one. it was. It was really good. So after four years, Chris Parker sold the team to Mr. Fitzgerald, and he moved it to Spokane because Kelowna there was no signs of them getting out of the Memorial Arena, the only arena in town.
1: Yeah. Right. So uh, had they had to go to a bigger venue. Right. That, that's understandable in yeah. a way. There's a big, much bigger budget than the dub. Absolutely. So that, where did Winnipeg go? Moose Jaw. Oh, that's right. They became Moose Jaw. They became the Moose Jaw Warriors. Warriors. And, uh, and then a few years later, Bruce Hamilton brought the Tacoma Rockets to Kelowna. Did they build that building before he moved in, or did he play in Memorial while was, they built Prospera? I think it was before.
2: They built the building in Tacoma for the Tacoma Rockets. They wanted an NHL team in Tacoma. Oh. So the Tacoma Dome, it was, I think, the biggest dome made out of wood. It was a real bizarre never building. It was, be- it was beautiful, right? It's all yeah. wood structure. and But wow. they never had a team for years.
1: And then Tacoma came into the Western Hockey League and they played out of there. Where to from Kelowna then? Or was it, Kelowna was your last stop in my, yeah, in junior hockey? That was my last stop in junior hockey. Yeah. You went to um, you went to Washington Capitals. Yes. And uh, and
2: that went week, to week, camp. Week. Played all the exhibition games. So I think I played five exhibition games. And being a small guy in a large man's game, I wasn't going to last. I knew it. Everybody else knew it. So it was. Uh, I went to Europe. Went and played in Holland. Had fun. How,
1: what were you, uh, was it three or four years you were in Europe?
2: Two years. Two years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no. In two years, it was, it was great. You know, you played 36 games. That's exhibition, playoffs, regular season,
1: that's it. And they look after you pretty well there, right? Like
2: you, They you do. Kept- they, uh, you know, they paid you in American dollars. Yeah. Up front at the start of the year. They gave you a furnished apartment, a car to use.
1: No taxes.
2: No taxes. Beer was cheap. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we got to, we, you're allowed two imports back then. I don't know what it is now, but it was two imports per team. So there was two of us. was a kid from Detroit and myself, and we lived in the same apartment. But all the Dutch guys, they all had to work for a living. They didn't get paid. Oh,
1: I didn't realize that.
2: No, because it was you know it's Holland. Right. It's it was like Division Three or whatever. Oh, we didn't but, draw a whole. Draw no, they a... filled the building. Oh, did they? Yeah. Okay, but it was also the curling rink.
1: Oh. Right. So okay. as soon as hockey practice was over, they
2: pebbled the ice and it became the curling rink. Oh so my I, gosh! Yeah, it was. It was pretty cool. <laughs> but you got to see a lot of the world, right? That was the the fun part about yeah. it. Yeah.
1: I think and a then, lot of guys that go and finish up in Europe really enjoy the experience.
2: Yes. It's a lot different now. The game's a lot better over there. Right. But back then, it wasn't what it is now. But it was fun. It was worth it.
1: Well, so uh, Europe brings you... uh, When you finally hang them up and you come back here, uh, at what point... Let's see. You had the Steam from 2010,
2: 2011? I was... the original owner of this team, the guy who started this team was uh, Dr. Jonathan Bowman, right? a man in town here who went out on LM and started this team and you know spent a lot of money to get it going. And uh, he hired a coach and I, you know he asked me to help because we'd worked together on minor hockey executives previously. And I said, sure. so I helped out. and uh, I don't know, as it turned out, I ended up coaching by the end of the season. We weren't doing real well. You know, he got rid of the coach, but the coach was a really good guy, Mm -hmm. and uh, and then the following after the season, uh, Mr. Bowman said that you know he had buyers and they were going to move it, and I said, well, can you give me some time? Maybe I can get a few people together and we can keep it here uh, because Kijhl had said this was the third time Summerland had had a Kijhl team. Yeah, three strikes you're out. If it doesn't work this time, they'll never get a team. Right, so I, you know, a couple gentlemen stepped up, and three of us went together. And after the first year, one dropped out, and and then two of us went at it. And you know, over this, the five or six year period, we basically kind of broke even. You know, maybe we had to, a few thousand a year we had to throw in over yeah. the, over the time, but you know, you you do it for the right reasons. Yeah, I just wanted kids to have as much fun playing hockey as I did because I never looked at it as a career to me it wasn't a career it was fun and I think that's
0: not in the game anymore it's maybe a, that needs to come back in a place like the ki then yeah isn't it uh, not not as a not as a seriousness of potentially feeding me somewhere but as a a last place for kids to just enjoy the game
2: that's how we approached it
0: and then maybe if you bring that back maybe it's that's how we approach it. Maybe you can it. draw it was, more fans that way because now there's, yeah. it's more of a I fun don't, environment. I don't,
2: I don't know if Summerland's a real hockey town, No, to be honest. I mean, it's it's tough. You can't get the games any earlier than 7.30 because minor hockey won't give up the ice. Right. And you have a senior-based town. 7.30 mm-hmm. is pretty late for them, first start of a hockey game. I mean, you look at the V's, they're, they're starting at 6 o'clock, yeah. sometimes 5.30, right? 5? Five, 5.30? Six o'clock, and you see all the seniors there. Summerland at seven thirty. You know you see some seniors, but it's not what it could be.
1: When you were here, how old would your boys have been when you started with the steam? Because were you, were you in? You were in Summerland Minor Hockey prior to your involvement. with Yes, yeah, ten years. Yeah,
2: and you didn't do
1: both at the same time. No, and you, you could no have possibly done that.
2: My oldest was playing Major Midget in Kelowna for the Rockets.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't the, realize he played for the Rockets. Yeah.
2: And then uh, then he ended up playing for the Steam. Okay. The first year he ended up playing for the Steam. The first year of the Steam. So I was 11, 12 was right. the first year. And um, yeah, so when my younger boys are ready for junior, I had sold the team. Okay. So it was. And they both played here, also. Yeah, they right? started in North Oak. Okay. The first year. Yeah. And then
1: entered both ended up here. here. I was actually, as coincidence mm. would have it, I was actually at your first game. Oh, in, really? In eh? The the very first game, the 2011-12 season. Wow. We were at that game. We went. Uh, to, my wife and I went with with uh, Barbara Bill. Oh, there you go. And, yeah. Uh, and we're. Uh, that's when we. We saw our old buddy Cody Wiseman was yep. there. Cody uh, was there, yeah. Our friend Jeff McCallum's boy who played for you. Yeah, Jordan. Jordan. Um, yeah, it was quite... You know, the, the brand, I think, was... Would you agree that the brand was considerably better then than it is today? Or, or how did you see Night
2: it? and day better. Yeah. The first year, the 11-12 season, there were 13 Summerline kids. 13 local kids, either from Summerline or Pentagon. 13. Right. And our attendance average was 75. So we figured, you know what? Maybe locals aren't the answer. Yeah, because every, everybody said, "Well, you're not winning, so they wouldn't come to the games." So <laughs> then we it. then we built a team. You know, we hired a really good coach yep. the following year, and and uh, we we brought in some really good players, and we we had winning records. And they still didn't come. So the best average attendance in the six years I was involved was 210. That was the best year. The worst year was 75, which was the first year. And this year, I don't know. I kind of looked on the web page because they do post the attendance to most of the games. and I think they're sitting around 120. Can but they survive? It's Chinese money now. That's who bought it. So, that's who bought it for me. I don't from us. Yeah. I don't know if there's different influence in now because I'm you know I'm out of it. But um, if they're willing to put money in, yeah, I don't survive. But I don't. Our business plan looked at it as we needed 250 average to survive. Where we managed to survive by you know tightening
1: tightening things up. You know, nobody got paid but the coach. Is there any such thing as a volunteer billet? This billet's one of your bigger expenses, eh?
2: For what they get paid, it's volunteer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, Fair I think enough. back then it was four fifty a month or yeah. something. Right now I think
1: it's six something. Right? And your your average teenage hockey player going at it strong can probably consume Thousand dollars a month in groceries. Yeah, well,
2: four hundred and fifty
1: bucks would be milk and bread. I'm sure, (laughs) right? (laughs) You know that firsthand, right? Raising three of them. Yeah. So that was your last. I don't want to say your last because you're certainly not done. But your your most recent involvement in the game is being a hockey dad. Yeah,
2: I've been out of coaching and ownership and all that for three years. Three years. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been nice. My wife loves me again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she, she recognizes you for the first time in a long time, right?
2: It was, you know what? I wouldn't trade it for the world, the right. six years with the steam.
1: And you wouldn't go back either,
2: probably. But I wouldn't go back yeah. either. Yeah. You, you know what? You need change in, in everything. You need change to survive. And, you know, I don't know what their mandate is now on how they're doing things. But they got one local kid.
1: Got to confess, as big of fans as we are of the game and as of developmental hockey, I haven't been to a game this year.
2: I've been to a few. Shame on me. And the league is not what it once was. Yeah,
1: that's a shame.
2: I think with the volume in minor hockey down, the amount of players playing in minor hockey, like even the academies have less teams this year.
1: Really? Yeah. I thought they were the only segment that was possibly growing still. No,
2: they're wow. growing in the women's side, on okay. the girls' side, yeah. but not on the boy side. Wow. I think OHA has one less team this year. So, and minor hockey is way down.
0: They have no Bantam team this year. House, Again. house, or rep. Okay, I, so that's okay, then none. None, because when I was there, when I f- first moved here, um, and I coached, there was. I coached Bannum, but I there was not enough kids to put multiple on the ice, so there was just the house team, yeah. and that's where, where I helped coach was the house team. And if and we had a couple very talented kids who, if there was a Bannum rep team, yes. they would have played there. Yes, and so they were on the house team, and they stayed. But they got a lot of attention from um, the rep team in Penticton. Yes. Yeah. And um, one of them, one of the kids got brought on as a practice player for the STEAM. Mm-hmm. And I mean, things like that, because there, there was no rep team in Summerland. Oh, so now now it's interesting to hear that now there's none for, in, for Bantam.
2: In 2006, there was 246 kids in Summerland minor hockey. That was my last year
1: with minor hockey. Now there's under hundred, ninety. Wow, that's just. So if like it, if the unthinkable happens, and numbers continue to decline, and the steam was to leave town. This can't be good. I mean, there is just nothing about this that that. Yeah, it's a small town problem,
2: Summerland. and it's not just Summerland. It's yeah. not just Summerland. Ugh. You know, it's. Armstrong it's you know all those little communities Merritt you know the smaller communities I mean you look at and a lot of it doesn't make sense because Trail with 5,000 people they have a junior A team mm-hmm. right and their minor hockey's doing well Merritt 5,000 people junior A team Summerland 12,000 people can't support a junior B team
1: demographic isn't it it is demographic
2: but we are in hockey central here yeah you know you got the V's 10 minutes up the road you got the Warriors 25 minutes up the road Yeah. 40 minutes up the road you got the Rockets so there's lots of options I see looking at the steam schedule this year they got 11 games head to head with the V's out of 24 home games well they're not gonna win they're in trouble yeah that they're not it's a no win and, you know, the V's have Peter Brothers who sponsor the students. So for every student who goes to the game, Peter Brother gives them X amount of dollars. Yeah. Right, for that ticket. Well, parents can go to a V's game and take their kids cheaper than they go to a Steam game and take their kids. Wow.
1: So. If you, so since your boys are, your boys are all done. All done. So your, your twins are finished. Done. Uh, what from the late '70s when you were involved when you were a junior A player to the time that your boys got done just recently, just this, this season? Yeah. How long do we need to describe what you've seen evolve in the game?
2: Well, from a perspective of a player, from when I played, yes. I thoroughly enjoyed just playing. I didn't, money never came, it wasn't in the picture. But when you played junior hockey, you didn't have to pay, right? right? You just, you made the team, they bought you everything, yeah, right? And now, or let me just go a step further there. When it started to become more professional hockey as I got older,
1: mhm
2: my love for the game declined. Really? When the business side crept in. Yeah. When I noticed the business side, it wasn't as much fun. It just it took the fun out of the game for me. So that that was it for me. Right?
0: Makes sense. I wonder if that's part of the reason why youth hockey numbers are down.
2: Maybe. Because the business side is in youth hockey.
0: Well, the, oh, and yeah. The, and it's what we talked about with the corruption of it. Yeah. You know, first, first of all, there should be no youth hockey coaches that should be able to make a living being a youth hockey coach.
2: Absolutely. Their expenses, yeah.
0: Sure. Get that. Sure. But, totally. Um, but there should not be a wage. No. But the problem is now is you no. get, you're you charging kids, and I'll speak more to my experience in the States just because it's longer, but you're charging each family, pick a number, how much, just each year for simply registering their child to play. Yes not including then the fees they then have to pay on top of that to block off a room at a tournament or whatever else. Yeah.
2: your team fee. Yeah, yeah. Team you your fee. registration fee yeah. for your minor hockey or whatever association you're with or yeah. organization you're with. Then you have your team fees. Then you have your equipment fee. And then you have your travel and hotels for your parents. And, and, yeah. and then yeah. that yeah.
0: money that money oh. comes in. And at least in my experience, what I've what I've seen, that money comes in and the director of the association is involved with that money. Controlling it. Yeah. That money then he then has one, two, four coaches on his inner circle, if you will, that get eighty percent of that money. Yep. Yeah. Personally, to take home, that's your livable wage. The rest go then trickles down further and the rest then goes to not only those coaches teams yeah but the higher level teams and then the the lower levels are kind of shit out of luck yeah. yep on your own and th- there's a lot of corruption i, I haven't experienced yeah. it see ex- they- extensively here but at least in my experience there's a lot of corruption in how youth hockey right, the, is run.
2: But there was corruption before, even before money was brought into it. So, for example, Little Johnny's team's getting more ice time than Sally's team. Now, why is that? Well, because Little Johnny's parents or more kids on Little Johnny's team's parents are on the executive. Right. Whether they're getting paid or not, mm-hmm. they're getting, you know, there's there's
0: corruption there.
2: And it's still time. going on that way.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, there's right? still still kids who get chosen for the A team or the, the yeah AAA even, team or whatever even because for, dad is buddies with this guy. Right. What, but know. they
2: all pay so. the same registration fee. Yes. They all have the same amount of ice every week, and that's not happening. Right. So there's corruption even when there's not people being paid. Right. And bringing paid into it has made it worse. And they brought paid into it because they didn't want parent coaches. Yes. Right.
1: Good and idea I, I, on paper.
2: Good idea on paper. But has it changed the corruption? No. no, no. Not at all. Just shifted it. What? Just shifted
0: it. Well, because I'm the, I wasn't a parent coach, but I wasn't getting they weren't paying me. Yeah. And they and, and you broach the subject, sorry it's not in the budget. Yeah. Or sorry, we, you know, just you know we we can't, I've never, can't I've afford never, never, to have you be an assistant coach with an A team. Other than my two whatever. years
2: playing hockey in Europe, I have never had a paycheck. Ever as a team owner a junior coach anything never never had a paycheck yeah. and wouldn't it wouldn't have taken one because you got to give back yes people have to give back if you can afford it because it's different now
0: but yeah there's just no balance amongst the coaches and we talked about it there's yeah. no balance you know and, and what i've what i experienced and what i witnessed you know um one or two coaches, you know, buddy-buddy with the with the director and, you know, in that inner circle, they they get private ice time yep. for one-on-one lessons and whatever. I wanted to conduct lessons. I was out at public session yep. where you're only able to skate in one direction. <laughs> you can't have stick and puck. Yep. You can't do anything like that with 90-some other people that are out there That's right. farting around. So how am I supposed to teach this to give back to this kid? in any effective way yep. because
2: the parent has to pay for the ice time this coach yeah, gets then the private has ice to time. For, they have to pay for yeah. you too
1: and that's the way it's going yeah. it's going it's going way more to that one-on-one i know that we can't fix it here but can it be done i mean i know we can't it, it would take too long and you and i talk about this probably every time we get together yeah. how i and Probably neither one of us had the stomach to get involved for the long haul to get it fixed, but can it be, could it be done? Well, I'm not in it because I don't see a fix. <laughs> take,
2: I, I don't know I'll what the answer a, is, uh, okay. right? I don't yeah. know what the answer is. Yeah. All I know is I don't like where it, it has gone. Yeah. Uh, people are in it for the wrong reasons.
1: Re, there's just got to be a way to restore the fun. The camaraderie that you guys felt. When you were a kid, yep. the camaraderie that I felt as a kid, I don't see it anymore. Now it's more like they're competing with each other. It's, they've,
2: they've created individuals, not teams. Yeah. I'm that's with a you shame. on that, 100%. But, you know, we had a reunion in Seattle four or five years ago. Yeah. Because Mitch had a, you know, got ALS, and right. that's what it was all about. Let's all get together, right? And they that's called great. us the team that kept hockey in Seattle because – the Western Hockey League back in the day, there was no money, there was none. They were broke. Teams were broke. The wow. only team in the West that made money was Portland. You know, they'd get thirteen thousand. Wow, right? We'd get four. Right, but you know they're selling the tickets for three, three to five bucks. Back yeah, then, right. <laughs> but there was no money, and hockey was thriving. Kids played because they wanted to they play. Love the game because they love the game. Yeah. Now they they seem to hate the game before they get to that level. Why is that?
0: Well, it's like we talked about money. The money that comes in for registration should be used and turned around and given and put back into the game for the kids.
2: Yeah, it's got to pay for your ice and your refs and, and, right? and put, Well, but I mean, put quit, back
0: in, put back in a, in a way where. Kids want to come play. Yes. But now, but the problem is, you know, like we, we just said a second ago, the money comes in and it trickles down to director's favorite, which trickles down to that favorite's team, and then it's there's no yeah. money, there's no budget left for yeah. anybody else. There, there is a way, which there. then chases away non-parent coaches. Yeah. Because yep. I'm not in it for the money either. But being newly married and having bills to pay, I've got to decide between a paying job and doing this as yep. much as I want to coach. Yeah. I've still got to at least pay the bill or at least contribute to paying the bills. That's I mean, right. It doesn't have to be my sole job. Yeah. I'd be a hypocrite if I sat here and said that I wanted it to be, but it has to at least contribute to paying the bills to where I'm not spending more money on gas to get to the rink right. than I am having come in. So I'll go work a job eight AM to four PM and then go to practice at six PM. I got no problem doing that, but it's gotta contribute at least contribute to paying the bills. Right, and so they're just, the, there just there just wasn't that. There's, so no, now, there's no there's no, no logic it. to it now. No. no.
2: Right? So then you got on the other end of that spectrum, yeah that you're talking minor hockey. Yep. You just wanna help, right? If you gotta go on the road, please pay my gas and a hotel room. Yeah. Right. I gotta eat anyway, so I'll pay my own food. But yep. pay my room and my gas. And then you have academies where um, parents are paying 30000 plus a year <laughs> so their kid can get a scholarship? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, hello. <laughs> School doesn't cost you thirty grand a year. No. <laughs> so what are you no. doing? No, it
0: doesn't.
2: It's not, it doesn't. has nothing to do with that. They say it does, but it doesn't. It doesn't. So I, I non-parent like coaches are,
0: are left not even getting money for a hotel room. Or for gas, that's right, not even getting money to contribute to paying the bills on top of their day job. Yeah. But on the other side of that, like like I, we've driven home constantly, <coughs> there's the select few coaches that show up to the rink at 10 a.m. and that's their job. And yeah. whether it's paycheck or it's cash under the table, they're making enough money to buy. New houses and cars and well, to survive. Take, take trips and do As this. You and that. said there should so be
1: no there should not be a wage in minor hockey. I don't And think we so. we said the same thing three yeah. or four weeks ago. But I that that reunion in Seattle had to be really, really special. It was a blast. Especially in light of doing it but for niche and getting you know, the guys together. You know, we
2: all got together and it was like we'd never left. Yeah. No. Right? When you're a team, that's the way it is. Yeah. But a lot of the teams nowadays, if they have a reunion in thirty years, it won't be that way. It won't be that way. It's 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 just different. Kids are different now though too. Kids are softer. Yeah. Right? They you know, they exercise their thumbs to death.
1: Think about this. You rode a lot of buses in your life. You get in the back of the bus with a bunch of guys, there's a couple of card games, there's a couple of coolers full of beer. There's a bunch of stories. There's a bunch of yelling. You know, I mean, guys are just, they're teenagers having a great time. Yep. If If you look on the bus now, Greg, and I'm not, I'm not indicting my kids or yours or anybody else. You look on the bus now, they got huge earphones on, so you can't talk to them. They're on a screen of some sort. There, I mean, there's just no... That's why they're not teams that will get together in 30 years. That's right. Like they never left. Because yeah. they were never together in the first place.
2: That's right. They can
1: text each other. <laughs> right? right?
2: Snapchat. <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> Whatever that <laughs> is. I know my Thank Blackberry <laughs> doesn't do that.
1: So. <laughs> now, see, for once, I'm not the only one on the show that has no idea what all those social media words are. Like he, He's always telling people on the show, you know snapchat this instagram that something or other and I go yeah. look I don't know what that means just go out and tell your friends about the show just go tell everybody I don't know that's give me a call social media please phone me yeah <laughs> when I see you at the bar or the golf course or something tell me about it yeah well hey uh, we take a lot of your time I, I really appreciate you stopping by let's do it again someday anytime you good with that anytime I think there's way more to be discovered about the life and times of Greg Wilson
2: uh, you know what in minor hockey yeah. There has to be an answer somewhere. Yeah. Maybe you get some
1: feedback from somebody. I'd love to. Cuz it's I'd it's sad. Yeah. I don't and and uh, as much as uh, as much as I love this community, I don't want to see the minor hockey program or the steam for that matter go away.
2: You know, on a, on a last a- note, BC hockey sees the problem. Right? They see the problem that minor hockey is declining. Yeah. So what have they gone and done? They've created zone teams. Hmm. Okay. Right? So you got you got a zone, South Zone, Central Zone, and a North Zone. Okay. In the Omaha District, Okanagan right. Mainland Minor Hockey District. Yeah. Right? Which is run by BC Hockey. Okay. Right? So they're trying to, so they got Bannum and Midget right now. Right? So they got Tier 1, Tier 2. I don't know if they have Tier 3 yet or not. Right? But those kids are also going to zone now. The kids are going to zone making zone teams. Oh, okay. Right? Which is a good thing. Right. But now they're also paying 15 grand plus. Ah. Right? Oof. And now you got these zone teams that don't have a regular practice time. Right? They're getting ice in Oliver or West Kelowna or it's wherever. So now the parents are driving. Oh. And right. paying. And paying. Oh. And now, BC Hockey's talking about potentially getting a bus for these kids to go
0: to practices and stuff. Oh, my gosh.
2: Which is all fine and dandy for safety. Right. Right?
0: But it's more out of the it's pocket still more for money. But
2: you practice in Oliver and the kid from West Kelowna is the last one on the bus. Oh. Right? You practice in it eight to nine. Yeah. He doesn't get home till 11. And he's 13 years old and he's got to go to school anymore. Doesn't work. See it. Yeah. Don't You're see better it. off eliminating small associations like Summerland mm-hmm. to join Penticton or whatever, however you want to do it. So maybe Penticton has two tier one teams instead of one. Right. Right.
1: In, instead of drawing the Penticton overflow kids to play in Summerland, you right. can send the Summerland kids to Penticton or Westside.
2: Yeah. Or what I'm saying is a small community like someone that's got 80 kids mm-hmm. or 90 kids in minor can you have, can you be successful? It's that's tough. basically five house teams, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So do you just shut her down? Then those kids can go. But if you don't shut her down, they can't go. True. Yeah. They, because right? they have to play during the regular season. They have to play. Yeah. Through. Yeah. For example, my twins, who are done now, but when they were in minor hockey, their age group, there was like nine kids, 99 birth year, right? Mm-hmm. And the 2000 birth years, there was five. Oh, man. So their whole minor hockey, they didn't have a rep team till midget. They never played rep till midget because there wasn't one. There and they wasn't, weren't allowed to go. They couldn't cross the boundaries. Right? Wow. So that's why the zone teams came in. But now, now it's the expense and they're paying some guy 80 grand a year to
1: run these zone teams, right? Man. They're, and that's... To me, that's not the answer. The The idea sounded good until it became more expensive and logistically more complex. Yes. It was a good idea. It's a great idea. But putting it together in a scattered community like yeah. this is difficult. Keep problem. your smaller communities as house
2: associations. Right. Right? And the kids that want to play rap,
1: just let them go to the closest community. Go. Right. right.
2: Let them go make whatever go. team they can make. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's about if opportunity. A, yeah. Not about your home association. Right. It's about the kids having opportunity to play where they belong. Well, there's the big difference in our generations from there, from ours to now mm-hmm. is when we grew up, there was tremendous competition in small towns yes. to make the top teams. Yeah. Now, they're not not only is there no competition, there might not be any kids at all to try to play on that rep team. Or they or,
2: got 10, and then they're trying to solicit kids to come and to play right, for that team so they can have a team. But then those kids don't touch the puck. Right. So that's not opportunity. No. The opportunity for that bottom end kid has to be with that host
1: team. Exactly. Because he'll touch the puck and have fun. Mm-hmm. And that, that, and essentially, that's, that's what it's all
2: about. It is. It always comes back to fun.
1: Well, we know what we're talking about next time around. Then, okay. Don't we? <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us. Thanks, thanks for Wilson, having me. Yep, appreciate uh, it. Guest of honor and uh, long, uh, long awaited. So, thanks for joining us.